Welcome to the Great Lakes Sports Network Michigan State Podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. Be sure to check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Like the Facebook page. You'll get a Pistons preview coming up soon. We got a Red Ones one. Red Wings one. There we go. Take two. Written up uh, for you uh, as far as their season preview goes and have more of that content coming your way. Um, and then we have our Cover 3 podcast, which whiffed horribly. Um, but a lot of closer games. So, look, Nate and I are close. I mean, we were, like I said, very successful over the last two years. We do know what we're doing. I've, even though uh, Cover Three's not done well, I've made money this year betting NFL. So, we'll, we'll get it figured out as far as what games we're picking. But you can uh, go to the Great Lakes Sports Network Facebook page and you can check all of that right there. Um, Look, you got to credit this Michigan State team, man. They showed some fight. Uh, they gave up a late touchdown. They had an opportunity to seal the game in regulation. They didn't do it. They fought back. It felt like they were going to completely choke. And they ended up winning the game in double overtime against Wisconsin. 34-28. to 28. Uh, Big time stuff. Uh, down the uh, stretch as far as clutch moments go. Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed, Keon Coleman, Jacoby Winman. All, all of these guys were just completely on fire at the end of the game. And you, you've got to credit these guys. And you've especially got to credit Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne, 21-29. 265 yards and two touchdowns. One of his better performances. The second highest rated uh, quarterback in the Big Ten last week. Um, he, he was phenomenal. And, you know, it just really makes me mad that a lot of the comments that I see, they're not talking about, you know, Mel Tucker blowing the game at the end of regulation, or trying to blow the game at the end of regulation. They're like, oh, well, we need to see Noah Kim. Are you kidding me? This fan base is the most idiotic fan base. Oh, well, uh, Noah Kim's got great arm strength, blah, blah, blah. Okay, he did it with rotational receivers. Jeremy Bernard, Montori Foster play in games regularly. They are numbers four and five on the depth chart. And Noah Kim gets to march down the field against the third string Ohio State defense playing prevent with a starting offensive line. A starting quality tight end, because let's face it, all three tight ends are starter quality for Michigan State. And two rotational receivers, but because he marches down against prevent defense against Ohio State and scores a touchdown, all of a sudden he earned the starting job? That's the dumbest take I've ever heard in my life. Peyton Thorne did not magically get bad, and I've used that phrase a lot over the course of uh, the last few weeks on this podcast. Because I think it's just... It's just the stupidest take I can think of. More people are complaining about Peyton Thorne having a fantastic game... Than they're complaining about Mel Tucker being a complete Dan Campbell with the clock and timeouts. I don't understand it. Oh, well, he missed Keon Coleman. I wonder why he didn't see him. 
Oh, he missed Keon Coleman veering to the right side of the field. He was in the middle, but he was going towards the right side of the field. Wide open. Man, how did he miss him? Oh, it could have been that uh, defender that got through the right side of the line, forced Peyton Thorne to roll over to his left and try to put it where only Mosley could get it, end up throwing it out of bounds. Spoiler alert, you don't A, turn around and face the defender and then try to throw it across the field. It's quarterbacking 101. But he missed Keon Coleman. Uh, Noah Kim would have hit that. Noah Kim would have tried to stay in the pocket too long. I don't know. Maybe he would have ran. Maybe he would have taken off and done something with it. But Peyton Thorne was trying to make the right play. But you know what? You have uh, idiot commentators on the game saying, Oh, I wonder why he missed him. You do? It's not hard to figure out. Peyton Thorne is a better option. I'd sit there and I'd say, if he wasn't, why is he still playing? But, you know, that same case can be made my Elijah Collins take, even though we've seen Elijah Collins perform better on the field. We haven't seen Noah Kim do that. Noah Kim sailed balls over wide-open receivers. Peyton Thorne was great against the... Even though Wisconsin's not a good team, they're still a good defense. And this fan base doesn't deserve it. They deserve guys like... Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Graham Ertz. Like... I honestly don't get it. The guy won 11 games for you and you want to throw him under the bus when now people are starting to realize, hey, you know what, maybe Jay Johnson got bailed out by Kenneth Walker last year. You think? But then they still want to replace Peyton Thornton on top of that. Look, Peyton Thornton's not perfect. I'm not trying to make him out to be John Elway at Stanford, Peyton Manning at Tennessee... I'm not trying to make him out to be Connor Cook even. Peyton Thorne's passing completion percentage went up from last year by quite a few points. The the decision-making still isn't perfect, but we knew that. But drives get killed. Drives get halted when you try to run the ball on third and four, third and two. You sit there and you have a running back who's on fire, marching it all the way down the field, then you want to replace him with a bum like Jalen Berger when you get near the goal line. And you wonder why you can't score all of a sudden. Jay Johnson's goal line offensive playbook is incredibly thin and incredibly pathetic. (laughs) It's so bad. But those are the types of moments where Peyton Thorne needs to check out and Peyton Thorne needs to make his own players because Jay Johnson's clearly not getting it done for him. And I think it's a travesty. Jay Johnson ran the ball on the first two plays. And guess what? Peyton Thorne had to make the play on third and eight. And you know what? He didn't do it. It was his first pass attempt of the game. 
But as the game progressed, you saw that he was able to get into a rhythm and use the second best group of receivers in the Big Ten. How he play, how he called that game in the second half is how Jay Johnson needs to call it throughout the course of an entire game. He hasn't done that this season. He did okay against Maryland on the first drive, and then he stopped. Put it on Thorne's shoulders. So that it's it's weird to say it like this. So just stick with me here. Put it on Thorne's shoulders. So he doesn't have to feel like he has to do everything later. Let the receivers make the plays early. Don't sit there and pin yourselves in these third and long situations and expect him to bail you out. Throw it on first down. Get five yards. Open up your playbook. That's what needs to happen. And until he does that, look, Michigan State's offense is going to continue to struggle. But Peyton Thorne was an absolute baller on Saturday. He was fantastic. He made the plays he needed to make. He trusted his receivers, who can definitely be trusted to make some of those plays too. Yeah, I know he missed Ken Coleman. Like I said, you got a defender bearing down on you to your right. You want to turn and throw it across the field to Keon Coleman, who probably should have been cutting out to the left anyways or whatever when Peyton Thorne was out of the pocket. When he saw him rolling out, he should have been rolling to his left to give Peyton Thorne another option to throw to. But... Yeah, he, he was fantastic. Obviously, who else was fantastic? It was Jacoby Winman. Uh, that's a name we haven't really talked about in the last couple weeks. Like I said, uh, my fear early on was that he was going to kind of turn into Janal St. Deke, who, you know, good player, you know, got a few pressures, but he thrived off playing mediocre competition at the beginning of the season, made a massive name for himself, and then was just, he was decent to good throughout the course of the rest of the season. The move to linebacker for Jacoby Winman was huge Saturday against Wisconsin. He had a pass breakup, an interception. He obviously forced the fumble in the second overtime on Braylon Allen, uh, Big Ten's probably their second best back, third best back, um, behind Abraham and uh, Travion Henderson. Moving him to linebacker was big because what that does is that allows him to see more of the field and that allows him to make more reads as opposed to just, you know, pinning your ears back and trying to get to the quarterback. That, that was one move that I absolutely loved. And to kind of make up for that on the edge, given the fact that Chris Bogle's hurt, Jeff Petrowski's hurt, um, given the fact that those guys are hurt, you saw Deshaun Mallory move to the edge spot. And um, he, he, he was the guy who obviously recovered the fumble. Uh, I think that's good for him because Deshaun Mallory is a talent. He's a... Uh, 
quality he, he was a quality defensive tackle but he was just buried on the depth chart uh jacob slade returned on saturday so he's behind him and simeon barrow obviously uh he's behind maverick hansen jalen hunt is still there so there's not a lot of room for deshaun mallory and so when you move him to that edge spot i you know it gives him that opportunity to play I like some of the shuffling that was done on the defensive side of the ball. I really do. And it was nice to see Dylan Tatum back in the safety position. Uh, you know, he still had some moments where I was kind of uh, questioning what he was doing, but the guy's a true freshman. So, you know, that that's... Look, I can sit here and I can rip Mel Tucker all I want, but I'm also going to give him credit where it's due. And he deserves the credit for some of that shuffling. You know, and God, maybe it was even Scotty Hazleton who made those calls. In which case, I'll give him credit where it's due. But overall, still not a great game by the defense. Graham Ertz still looked like a competent quarterback, which let's be real, he's not. Um, but you've, like I said, you got to credit... Winman for continuing to fight even though he could have folded Peyton Thorne definitely could have folded especially with how stupid this fan base has been about him and uh, the fact he regressed since last year even though like I said he hasn't regressed he's put in situations where he can't extend drives because you can extend drives on third and three third and four when you're running with Kenneth Walker you can't do it when you're running with Jalen Berger and it's killing drives which therefore kills the opportunity for Peyton Thorne to make plays, say, on first down the next play. That's one of the things that Jay Johnson is good at. Even though he's stupid and runs it on third and three or third and four, if he gets it, if he gets it, that next first down play is usually a bomb. And that, that's one area he's great, but the problem is, is he's not had that opportunity to... You know, dive into those plays because the guys get stuffed on third and three and third and four now. Kenneth Walker didn't get stuffed. Kenneth Walker masked Jay Johnson, but and that and that's where Thorin ended up uh, making his money last year. So look, that that's where I stand as far as that goes. Um, meanwhile. You know, thank goodness the Lions didn't play because if I had to watch clock management that resembled anything close to what I saw on Saturday, I would have lost my mind. I don't get what you're doing. It's third and two and you're running the ball. You have no timeouts. You get stuffed and then you have to try a mayday kick, which resulted in a bad snap and a Bryce Berenger interception. What are you doing? I honestly don't get it. How can you be that stupid to just a screw over a kicker who sucks anyways, but then try to cost your team the game? In no way, shape, or form, or is there any logic behind what Mel Tucker did on Saturday at the end of the game? There's no logic to what he did going into halftime. 
He calls a timeout. He gets the ball back with 20 seconds. He has a timeout in his pocket. And he doesn't do anything with it. He calls a tight end screen to Tyler Hunt. The slowest tight end on the depth chart. And he just rolls with it. And he lets the clock tick down and you go into the break. Clock stops if you get first downs. You have great receivers. Use them. I I can't even fathom what he was trying to think of at the end of the game. I can't do it at halftime. Like I said, he calls the timeout. Forced Wisconsin to punt. Had time. It's not like they were pinned back within their 20 even. You had an opportunity to put points on the board then. You had opportunities to throw the ball to get the first down, but you just ran and ran and ran and ran. And you ran into a brick wall like you've done the entire season. Stupid. Fix it. Fix whatever you've got going on in your head. Fix your running back rotation. Fix your offensive play calling. And fix your freaking defense for crying out loud. Fix the penalties on the offensive line. Yeah, Jared Horst is always going to pick up a personal foul game. That's just what he does. But there's other penalties just all over the course of the field. All over that game that are indicative of ultimately a lack of quality coaching. You want to tell me these kids aren't good? They won 11 games last year. Most of them are returning guys. Offensive line changed up a little bit, but they were all experienced and rotated regularly with the starters. It's a coaching issue. The timeouts and the clock management, coaching issues. Hire a senior analyst or whatever you want to do. Do what uh, Nathaniel Hackett did, that bum coach at Denver. Do whatever he did. Have someone tell you what to do. Look, uh, I was talking, or I was messaging or commenting or whatever with... Clifton Ryan, and he brought up a good idea, you know, bring in Ty Willingham. Bring in Ty Willingham. Let him be the senior analyst. Let him manage the game. The guy can't recruit or coach, but you let him manage the game. You let him have control of the timeouts when they're used. Look, if you've got to teach Jay Johnson how to call plays, do it. But I love that idea. I think that's a great idea. But you've got to do something different. Because this stuff was evident last year. Much like Jay Johnson running on 3rd and 3 and 3rd and 4, it got overshadowed by the fact you had Kenneth Walker in the backfield. Because Kenneth Walker made things happen that shouldn't have happened. It's that simple. 
But the problems with the coaching still remained last season. And they remain this season. I'm not crediting Walker for the reason that Michigan State won 11 games. Obviously, he had a huge hand in it. But there is enough talent on that team to do it again this year. Yes, it hurt. You missed your best player at each of the three levels defensively. Uh, You know what? I might even say Brantley's better than Henderson. But Henderson was that leader. You miss him. You miss Darius Snow, who's obviously the only linebacker who can cover. And you missed uh, Jacob Slade, who's the best defensive player on the team. Saturday's win doesn't excuse Mel Tucker from the horrible play calling, doesn't excuse him from the terrible decisions at the end of the second half and at or at the end of the first half and at the end of the game or end of regulation. It doesn't excuse him from that. It does buy him a little bit more time though because right now you've got to make a bowl game and that's your number one goal. Take away your offensive line and and take take away both lines and you ultimately have a really young team that needs more experience, that needs 15 more practices. You have young receivers that are going to need more time because Jaden Reed's going to be gone. Keon Coleman's obviously going to be the number one for Peyton Thorne next year. But you've got to get those reps in and that means you've got to win those games that are coin flip games and that's Indiana and look you should still be favored against Rutgers and uh, then then you've got to make a splash somewhere else that may lie in uh, with, with Illinois who's the West favorite they're undefeated thus far their top 25 team or the ranked top 25. I don't think they're a top 25 team. I think that's a beatable team. But they play hard and they fight. And they're not going to make those mistakes that we saw this Michigan State team make uh, on Saturday. But look, like I said, lots of great stuff coming on the Great Lakes Sports Network. Go and like the Facebook page. You know, comment. If you think I'm wrong, tell me. Don't sit there and name call and don't do any of that keyboard warrior stuff or anything else. But let's have a conversation. Like, look, it's good to have different points of views and you can talk about things in a respectable manner. Even though I just called a bunch of people stupid. I said the takes were idiotic. Um... (laughs) But uh, go ahead and comment on the page. Do whatever you need to do. Like I said, lots of good stuff coming on the con- coming as far as the content goes. Uh, this is the Great Lake Sports Network Michigan State Podcast. I am Tyler Hayward.